0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Weekly Hoops Podcast. Um, we're with you here on Sunday, December nineteenth, and um, as we head in kind of the into kind of the so-called holiday break here, um, schedule lightens up a little bit across the conference. Um, so we'll talk you through a couple of the big games that took place over the last week, um, a few interesting games on the schedule for the coming week. Um, but we'll, we'll go through the recap maybe a little bit quicker this time, um, and then we'll talk through kind of big picture where everything uh, sits as far as conference hierarchy as we as we get ready to flip the calendar. Brett, how are we doing today?
1: You know, I'm, I'm good. It's uh, it's, it's kind of good to take some time to decompress a little bit as we approach the holidays. I'd like to wish everybody uh, happy holidays. And uh, I think, yeah, like you said, it's I, I mean, this is the week where teams kind of... You know, they're taking their finals uh they're they're t- a couple of tune-up games here and there um but I think you, you know we've we've had we've seen enough basketball so far to kind of put together uh, uh some thoughts on how everything's looking with with some st- you know significant uh data points already in place as we as we head into the uh real gauntlet that this conference season poses um so I'm yeah I'm I'm inter- I'm excited for what's coming but i think we have a lot to look back on so far
0: and with that straight into straight into the games now Uh, there are a few games from last sunday that we didn't talk about so we'll we'll hit those quickly Uh, first off maryland um, took down florida in what was kind of a a close game almost felt like a first round tournament uh, game there uh, in the hall of fame invitational Uh, maryland we, we discussed on the last couple of podcasts how they've kind of had a, a wild uh, week with a coaching change already this early in the season, um, but I mean, really, I don't know what else to call that win other than Gutty. I mean, they really their bench is not deep. You know, they got big shots from Russell, Ayala, and Scott down the stretch, and they were able to knock off a, a, a ranked team, and if this team has a chance to turn it around and be a player, you know, as as far as making the tournament, I mean this will be a huge win that will help them hopefully push them over the onto the right side of the bubble come March.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think given given uh like you said, everything that Maryland's really been through this so far this season, any chance to get one of those, you know, top tier top tier a non conference wins is is really good, especially considering that they had kind of lost most of their other Opportunities in the non-conference slate uh, in Virginia Tech and and Louisville with the loss to George Mason as well, Um, but I think yeah you know one of my thoughts coming into this this Maryland season was they were going to need somebody that had not previously stepped up uh, to really step up. But like you said, guys guys when when you're getting big shots out of Ayala, that's a that's a good sign for for team continuity. So I'm I think that's obviously you'd love to see a win over a a top thirty. Ken Palm team uh, there and you like to see the shooting numbers that they are putting up um, hitting you know eight to eight 13 threes in that game um, and it's just more of a balanced offensive effort um, and that's with four guys in double figures and you know there's obviously still concerns on depth Um but if, if Ayala and Russell and, and uh, you know, guys like Dante Scott Dante Scott can keep playing well, I think that's at least a sign that things are moving in the right direction after the turbulence of Turgeon leaving.
0: You talk about that depth. They, so they go to Iowa City, to Champaign, and then host Wisconsin their first three conference games after the break. So we're going to find out a lot about them and whether they're a player uh, as far as the NCAA tournament, but also huge opportunities to pick up. Um, resume boosting wins. There, um, you know, it's going to be a theme. We're going to talk about this with every team, I think. But you know, the schedule is going to be an absolute gauntlet. There's going to be those opportunities throughout the entire year. But like, if Maryland goes 0 three in those games, their season's probably over. Um, but if they can take one or two of them, I mean, you know, they, all of a sudden they they build that momentum. They they're energized from you know the coaching change and all that stuff. It could be a dangerous team because I think a lot of people thought. That this was going to be a top quartile team um, if things bounced right uh, beginning of the year there. Other game from Sunday that we didn't hit last time. So Rutgers after their after their win over Purdue, they took on Seton Hall for the Battle of New Jersey and and fell short there. You know I think putting Rutgers in context then. I mean that that Purdue game taking that. In the context of their entire schedule, looks more like a fluke than anything that you consider is going to be something that they can turn into, you know, something that they can consistently repeat throughout the conference season. We know Seton Hall's a good team. We've talked about them just because of the sheer number of Big Ten teams that they've played this year. But I guess, how do you feel about this this past week or so of your Rutgers fan?
1: I mean, I I think that I mean the let me let me rephrase that. So I, th- I think. We we all know Seton Hall is a good team, and winning at their place is is going to be difficult. Um, even you know with with several Rutgers fans in the audience um, due to proximity, um, but I think it's it's always hard to kind of when you've been underperforming basically the entire season, and then have this insane win against the number one team in the country. It's it's hard to keep that momentum because that's an emotional win, and it's you know maybe you're trying to figure out who you are as a team, and you know whether you can kind of stack up to the competition of the Big Ten. So I think. Not that those losses to Seton Hall was inevitable, but I, I don't know that I'm that surprised by it. I'm obviously disappointed as a Rutgers fan. Um, but I think, you know, now you really kind of have to pay attention to these bye games. Uh, they got Central Connecticut State and Maine, two teams that are among the worst in the country that they should blow out. And if they don't, then I think your season's definitely over in terms of just expectations. I think, you know, they're 5-5 five and five right now. They have three really bad lo- they have two really bad losses and DePaul is kind of, they have one really bad loss and two lost games. They absolutely should not have lost in, in DePaul and, and UMass. But like at the end of the, at the end of the season, those might look not good, but somewhat acceptable. Um, But, I mean, you know, then they kind of come right back to it with the start of conference play with with, uh, the game against Michigan. Um, But then, you know, there's a couple opportunities for some wins. They they have Nebraska and Penn State back-to-back. And if you can come out of that first, you know, if you can come out of those two games, two and one, I'm not saying you're going to make the tournament, but there's at least something to play for again. And I think they've shown that they can be competitive against anybody. Um, They still have talent. They don't have a lot of, of depth. But... Ron Harper Jr. If G- and if Geo Baker's healthy, Omar Ruyu's very talented, and and Mulcahy's not bad either, and they've got a couple a couple other options. But I think the ceiling of this team was sort of seen last year. So I don't know if it's it's a tournament team per se, but I think that they're they can at least make things interesting in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, I, and almost you know the last two teams we've talked about Rutgers and Maryland here were kind of I think everyone presumed that they'd be tournament teams out of the Big Ten um, going into the year. And I think this is actually where a team like Minnesota, who actually who, who picked up a win on Tuesday over Texas a and Corpus Christi, I'm um, not going to talk about that game in depth, but th- this is where there's almost an opening for an upstart like them. Um, and, and kind of, you know, maybe an IU team too that we'll talk about in a second. Uh, I think because of, and even you look at Michigan to agree, and them kind of falling off, there's opportunities here, I think, for one of these upstarts to kind of come in and, Take up that that vacuum and call it the upper middle part of the conference here. Um, now you know Rutgers and Maryland will have chances throughout the year to kind of prove us wrong in that. But I think uh, for Minnesota, for Wisconsin, um, for Indiana, there's opportunities now where there's a pathway for them um, into the tournament um, if they can kind of keep beating these teams that have proven to be playing below their preseason expectations. Not much took place as far as during the week games. I mentioned Minnesota beat Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Wisconsin actually kind of struggled with, with Nichols, but they were able to beat them at home. Uh, but we, we did have some games yesterday that were of interest across the conference. Two really in particular, the Crossroad Classic took place in Indianapolis. You know, those two games feature feature Big Ten teams. Um, start of the day, Purdue, I mean, I don't know that we need any more proof that they're a really good team, but they whooped the crap out of Butler, who I think everyone kind of thought was a pretty good team going in. Um, They beat them by 29, um, and Jaden Ivey had had 22 in that game. So they they look like they're fully recovered from that loss to Rutgers. And then Indiana with a nice win over Notre Dame. I I know that win may not look that nice. We may be talking about that win as like a – resume boosting win come March but Notre Dame coming off an upset over Kentucky Um, it it wasn't nothing feels easy for Indiana this this year it wasn't an easy win but another double double from Trace Jackson Davis and um, you know it felt like kind of a big 10 grinded out like these guys are figuring out how to win Um, and as I just mentioned you know, I think this is what's going to be key for them to outperform their expectations going into conference play.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know, obviously, coming coming back from that or coming off of that twenty-two point collapse against Wisconsin, um, Indiana kind of went and beat up on a, a Merrimack team that you know, no one it's their Merrimack. It's you know, everyone expected IU to win by twenty. Um, but so this, again, you know, power five competition, Notre Dame, obviously a little underperforming, but that big win against Kentucky, as you mentioned. So I think it's good for Indiana to really kind of reset against a a power five conference team like that, heading into conference, like break and conference play and and all that. Um, and I, I think, yeah, you, you know, like you said, another double, double for Jackson Davis. Um, I think the interesting thing is kind of seeing what happens with Xavier Johnson, his shooting has fallen off a bit and I'm, I'm curious to see what his decision making, kind of looks like as as he as he helms the team but you know you got to keep getting contributions from from Parker Stewart and Miller Cop, and that's what they did and you know this 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 Indiana team is is solid I I think maybe you know about maybe about where we pegged them based on how the rest of the supporting cast develops but I think it's a good good kind of get right game uh against better competition and I, so that was nice and then yeah Purdue um I don't really know what else what else to say about that. They, they're they're you know I'm not you, you never say that you never I never like to say that a team needs a loss, but I think it was good for them to kind of work out a couple issues and and uh, get back to to playing their style of basketball after a couple odd games out east to the other week. So I think that um, you know they're they're not that they lost focus, but they they look like they're they're just ready to keep rolling over teams, um, and that's what you want
0: then the the last game that we'll talk about which was one that we kind of put on everyone's radar is one to watch um iowa over utah state by 19 last night at the pentagon and really the the headline here which you know you can't really talk about this iowa team without talking about keegan murray but he scored a career high 35 points on 17 shots last night I mean, this That's iowa crazy. team i mean <clears throat> I, I think it's fair to say that how, as far as the question of how they're going to respond after losing all the talent from their team last year I mean they still have a high-powered offense um, and you know Keegan Murray obviously has a lot to do with that uh, Bohannon being back I- important for that as well um, but I think we all pegged this team as like a middle to below average Big Ten team with everything that they lost I think it's clear that Especially with Rutgers and Maryland, maybe taking a step back, that there's an opportunity for a tournament bid for them too. Um, and I, I thought this was going to be kind of because if you think about their last like help call it three to four games or so, you know, a tough one against Purdue, a tough one against Illinois, um, a tough one against Iowa State. I mean, this had the this had all the pieces <clears> in place for them to kind of fall apart in this game, um, and they didn't. Um, and in fact, they looked better. So I actually. Well, I really do this for Fran McCaffrey' coach team, and I'll credit their
1: toughness too. Yeah, absolutely. I think as we're going to kind of get into, um, I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, um, really, really impressed with this Iowa team so far this year, and obviously that mostly starts and ends with Keegan Murray. But it's guys like Jordan Bohannon realizing that he's got to take a step back this year, and and you know doing doing that, and I think that's that goes a long way into building team success. I'm still a little bit worried about their guard play um, outside of Bohannon. But I think, you know, like you said, this this is a, a win over a, a Utah State team that's that's good. They are a very good team. Um, so it will look good come March. And I think, you know, they, they were able to force 14 turnovers in that game. And I know defense has always been an issue with Fran, a lot of these Fran, recent Fran McCaffrey teams. So we'll see I'm interested to see if that holds. But, you know, 11 steals is, is great, and I think that that's if – if that's a sign that they can actually turn this defense in a positive direction, then the rest of the Big Ten, I think, official like, you know, obviously starting 0-2, but I think the rest of the Big Ten is on notice about Iowa, so to speak.
0: So as far as the, the week ahead, um, so kind of a, a bit of an odd week in the sense that most every team has kind of a tune-up game, uh, you know, or two, um, you know, at least kind of on this Monday through Thursday portion of the schedule. The only game of note that I point out takes place on Wednesday, where you have Illinois playing Missouri in St. Louis, and like that annual bragging, bragging rights, rights game. You know, Missouri doesn't look like they're you know the the threat that they've maybe been in in past years. Like, they lost to Wichita State, lost to Liberty, um, lost to UMKC. Um, it, Although, they are coming off kind of a nice win at home against Utah. Uh, you know, Illinois should win this game. Um, but, especially with them looking like they've got things figured out offensively, still having turnover issues. But, I mean, anything to point out as far as, like, a risk of a potential trap here for Illinois?
1: You know, I think potential... I don't I don't even know if this is viewed as a trap game anymore because I think Missouri's given... Illinois weird runs for their money in the brag and rights game, and it's one of those neutral site rivalry games that are that's very well attended. So I think I think Illinois will be ready for them. Um, I think, especially you know, Illinois has got a couple losses on the on the on the uh, schedule already, um, and definitely does not want to lose to a Missouri team that's wildly underperformed. Uh, expect, even if there were expectations, they've probably underperformed them. And I believe Ken Palm has them losing every single one of their. SEC conference games. Like they're not going to be, they're not a good team. So I think, I think uh Brad Underwood will do well to have his team motivated for this game. But again, you know, Missouri forces a decent number of turnovers, and that's what I would be worried about for Illinois. I think it's, they're still, they're still turning the ball over 22% of their possessions, which is good for about 300th in the country. And they don't create extra possessions on defense either. So I think just, but if they value the basketball and don't do anything really stupid with, you know, don't commit a lot of turnovers, um, unforced specifically. And I I think they, Kofi should be enough to, to win them this game, but it is, you know, if you're an Atlanta fan, you do really like to see that the three point shooting has come around a bit. And I think as long as they kind of hit some shots and give Kofi the ball, I don't see a reason why they, uh, don't come out of St. Louis with a win.
0: The other, I guess, maybe not trap game, but just kind of game to keep your eye on this week is Michigan state, um, taking on Oakland, um, at Royal Caesars arena in Detroit. Um, you know, Oakland has a win over Oklahoma State, I believe, earlier in the mm-hmm. year. Uh, that was that was super super early. So again, um, you know, not sure what to make of that. But you know, I think with this being kind of a in-state like not rivalry, but just I I'd, I'd watch out for this one being probably closer than most people expect. But the schedule goes dormant starting Friday all the way through. Uh, Tuesday in the Big Ten so aside from these tune-ups uh, not not much going on over the course of the next week which I think gives us a few minutes here to kind of reflect on just the overall state of the conference and kind of how things have looked over these first call it you know five to six weeks of the season here um, and so you know I, I think we, we've kind of hit on this as we've, as we've talked through things so most teams have played two conference games not all of them have uh, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Illinois are both 2-0. Um, on the other end, like, Iowa 0-2, but, you know, looked strong. And then you have a bunch of teams at 1-1, kind of highlighted by that, you know, Purdue. The, the upset over Purdue kind of already already took place. You had kind of Ohio State being beating Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin with a big comeback over Indiana. So, you know, you kind of had things as normal, you know, for the most part with, you know, the favorites up top, but a, enough amount of chaos even in the first two conference games, which kind of comes with the uh which kind of comes with the product when you're looking at the big ten. I guess are are you surprised, um, in any way at kind of what you've seen so far?
1: Yeah, and I think I, I know I mention this all the time, but I think the two biggest surprises and so far have been Minnesota and Iowa. And and you can throw Wisconsin in there as well. Um with the the ascendance of Johnny Davis, but I think you know Minnesota and Iowa were two teams that I certainly and, and we overall, I guess, had had picked in the lower third of the Big Ten. And not to say, and I just I think I expect Minnesota to be bad, bad this year. And they're nine and one, one and one. I mean, the, with the win over, I think, headlined by the the win wins over uh, Michigan and Mississippi State, both on the road. I, it's just a, it's a you never really expect a group of transfers to play this cohesively, um, so early in the season. And Jamison Battle, Peyton Willis have been have been outstanding so far, and I think it's a credit to what uh, Ben Johnson has been doing as as coach this year. And then at Iowa, you knew you obviously knew the, the loss of of Luca Garza um, and Joey's camp was going to be enormous. Um, and so to see, and granted they are zero and two in conference play, but. Sitting at eight and three, uh, a win over Virginia, a win over Utah State, um, I think is is way better than we had expected coming into the season.
0: You know, on the on the positive end, I I also think we should talk about Northwestern, who we really haven't. I don't know that we've even talked about any one of their games yet, um, and you know, for for good reason. For some, right, like they they haven't played the toughest schedule. Their only losses are at Wake Forest, which I believe they're ten and one right now. Um, I know for those national fans, they just had a big win over Charlotte, where they won at the buzzer. Yep. Um, earlier this week, I mean, you know, Northwestern only lost by four. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not a terrible loss there. They lost to Providence, which Providence are as good of. A, Providence like, is team having as, a good season, yeah, yeah as, as anyone this year. Win over Georgia, you know, win at Maryland to start conference playoff. You know, and <laughs> and they've been handling for the most part the teams that they should be handling. Um, otherwise so kind of watch out for them you know they 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 play Michigan State on January 2nd you know kind of early you know a lazy post New Year's you know this this they could have an early opportunity here to really make make a statement about um uh, you know about the legitimacy of their team going in and I know we didn't really spend that much time talking about them really at all going in um you know, I will say on the on the other end, um, I'm a bit disappointed in Nebraska. I know we didn't, I know we didn't pick them to do anything really this year, but I thought you were gonna see. I, I was expecting to see a little bit more from them. Um, you know, they their defense is awful. Like it's just awful, um, and they're they're trying to mimic that like high those high paced Iowa State teams that Fred Hornberg had and. A lot of times when you watch them, it feels just like Verge is going one on one, and there's there's no like cohesiveness to their offense and the way that you talked about Minnesota has, despite being similarly constructed with a lot of transfers. I want them to be able to give kind of teams run for their money in, in conference play. Um, I you know, but they they just really you know they started off the season on the wrong foot, losing to Western Illinois. You know, they've had a couple of games in, in some of their cupcakes where they've kind of looked promising, but any time that they've faced a legitimate opponent, they, they don't look like they're a power-by-team, and I was just hoping for a little bit more because I think it's really important for the conference, for Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska to get things right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you're, you're right on the money there. Um, they haven't beaten anybody good, and granted, you know, a lot of their losses are to good competition, maybe the... Obviously, Western Western Illinois and and potentially NC State, notwithstanding, but yeah, I think you know, and it was always going to be. It's like kind of like we said with Minnesota. It was always going to be. It's always hard to bring in all these transfers and and kind of have everyone just go in a gym and figure it out. But Heuberg's a better Hoiberg in theory is a better coach than this, and you know, Verge Verge was always a questionable addition. I think. Just because of what we saw from him at Arizona State, where he was very likely to just kind of try and win games by himself. Not that he's a bad player, I just don't know that he's maybe the right guy for for this system, especially when you have a guy like Bryce McGowan's that you're really trying to you know working on trying to feature uh, due to his just his skills. So I think yeah, there's a lot of things they need to clean up. Uh, they're not shooting well at all, and they they play really they play really fast. So kind of you need to you need to be able to hit shots if you're going to play that fast and. Otherwise, you run the risk of teams just hanging a hundred on you like Michigan did. So, I, I don't really see a way for them that like to get much better. Um, I think the the conference season starts or the you know resumes uh, with Ohio State and then at Michigan State at Rutgers. So, I mean, I don't I don't really see them winning any of those games. So, I think Heuberg's seat's not hot yet, but he has got to start winning something.
0: All right. Uh, We're going to wrap things up with that. So we'll be with you guys next week, uh, as we always are, Um, despite the fact that the schedule lightens up. We'll still be with you on Sundays as usual. Um, A lot to look forward to as we creep towards the start of conference play here. Um, We wish everyone a happy and healthy holidays. Uh, And I guess Brett will give the market pitch to... Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. so feel free to send us an email, big10hoopsweekly at gmail.com. And uh, we'll eventually start tweeting at big10hoops, W-K-L-Y. So uh, thanks again for listening, and we will see you guys next week.